Cowboys 40, Giants 0. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic. Justin, we've done uh, five week one recaps on this show's history. Only one has been a winner. But this week one loss takes the cake. I mean, this is, this is, this is, this is like the worst. One of the worst losses I've ever seen, if not the worst. I mean, you get beat forty to zero, Justin, and it was just, it was, it was. You had a, a nice little drive going, and then chaos ensued, and it was just like you, they did not have a chance. They were physically outmatched, and we talked about closing the gaps. That's what Joe Shane said in his season-ending press conference last year. Well, the gap has not been closed. They've been outscored seventy-eight to seven in the last two games against the two teams that they want to close the gap on, with the Eagles and the Cowboys. How are you? I'm not good. Embarrassing isn't even the word. I think pitiful. That, I I don't even think there there are no words. Like come up with a bad word, and it's worse than that. Um, I think this might be the worst home loss ever at the Meadowlands from like strictly a performance and being in a game standpoint. Um, Giants forty point loss on Sunday is their worst loss in a night game of franchise history. It's the first time in franchise history they've lost by 40-plus points in their first game of the season. Bobby, there, there came a point, man, where, you know, we're, we're down 16 nothing, and then, you know, you get down 19 nothing, and then you're down 26 nothing. Uh, there was maybe a 15, 20-minute stretch where I didn't say anything. I, I was silent, and, you know, call me melodramatic, whatever, I somehow felt like I was sitting alone in a stadium despite 80,000 people being around me. And that is how empty and just flat out shitty, empty and broken that this game made me. We had months and months and months where it's not just a week one loss, where we hyped up this particular game, this specific game, for the reason that you just said about closing the, closing the gap with, with the Dallas Cowboys and the teams in our division and how the Giants got better. They made talent upgrades. We want guys to take second-year jumps. And just to be teased with that optimism and to not even score a point and for this to happen, it, it was some of the more empty feelings that I've like felt like ever. Not just Giants, like just like empty, like ever. I mean, they just got their ass kicked straight up. Dallas <laughs> came in, knew what they were going to do, and decided that's this is what we're going to do. We're going to kick your ass from start to finish. Um, and what sucks is like they did have a very successful season last year. Brian Dable did win Coach of the Year. They did win a playoff game, and they did upgrade the talent on this team. And they did look great in training camp. They did look great in a little bit of preseason action, and then they came out, and they just got their ass kicked up front. I mean, we've seen some bad offensive line performances. If you've been a Giants fan for the last 10 years, you've seen some bad offensive line performances. But this is a game where they just this, – this offensive line made it impossible to compete. It made it impossible to compete. Like, I go back to even last year's first Dallas game. Offensive line was pretty bad in that, but it was at least – wasn't so bad that you couldn't compete in that game. They flat out could not compete in this game. Evan Neal, Mark Lewinsky were as awful as they've ever been in Giants Blue, and that didn't that wasn't just against Micah Parsons. That was against you know Doris Armstrong, who's like a nice player, but should not be doing that to you. Versus backups, third stringers, just totally dominating these guys. Um, you know Daniel Jones went fifteen of twenty eight. Had uh, 
104 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, 13 carries for 43 yards. I mean, he was sacked seven times and gave up 12 QB hits. So if you include um, this, like that's 35, that's 35 dropback situations, and that's not including the scrambles, Justin. He was hit on 19 of them. Yeah, Nin- oh, 19 of the 35 pa- passes, he he was hit. Whether it was a sack or a quarterback hit, and he yeah. was getting fucking demolished at the end of the game too. Oh, it, it got worse. It got worse. Even after being down 33 to nothing, it somehow got worse. Where I was listening on the radio heading to the JM warehouse, and you just heard the violence, the hits that the Dallas Cowboys were just laying on Daniel Jones. And I turn on the TV, and the first shot that I see with 20 seconds left in the, in the fourth quarter where there's a shot on Daniel Jones is just the turf beads that are on his face. <laughs> you, know, um, you know, seven sacks for the Cowboys. You mentioned it, 12 QB hits. And this is what bothers me the most, Bobby. Four combined sacks, five QB hits, and five tackles for loss combined by Osa Digizua and Dorrance Armstrong. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong is the Cowboys' like number three option at edge rusher. Maybe behind Sam Williams, DeMar- so number four, behind maybe like Sam Williams, Demarcus Lawrence, and uh, Micah Parsons, and an interior defensive lineman who's okay in Owa Digizua. Um, you know, the Cowboys generated pressure on 23 of 37 dropbacks, 62.2%, the fourth highest percentage in it rate in a game, in any game in the NFL played since 2019. Dallas had eight defenders generate multiple pressures, including four with at least five pressures, and that's according to Next Gen. But really, that's what what bothers me the most is Osa Digizua and Dorrance Armstrong, like two players that I think any Cowboy fan wouldn't say is like the number one and number two contributors on their defense. Those are the guys that just really beat us. Yeah, and, and honestly, it was mostly Neil and Gawinski. Yeah. Like there was some other stuff, but it was – Evan Neal and Mark Gawinski were as awful as they've ever been. I mean, Neal got beat around the corner, guys going through him, getting beat inside. And Mark Gawinski, I mean, Mark Gawinski got beat essentially like initially on almost every single play. Just got his ass kicked down in, down out. Where now you're like, oh my gosh, we should should we put a Zudu in over this cat? Because we we can't he cannot be that bad. I don't care what his pedigree is, what his contract is. You cannot be that bad. And then even worse than that is Evan Neal. Like it, I, and I, I tweeted this, Justin. It'd be one thing if if Michael Parsons was beating him. Michael Parsons right. is nuts. He's an amazing. Which he did player. on some plays too. But for everybody else, like you're the number seven overall pick, man. We have high expectations for you. And even though there was like some technical things that were better, like there was some things that looked better about Evan Neal. It was just the result was awful, 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 awful on a consistent basis to where we are now. We said week all offseason, we talked about week one, man, we're going to watch Evan Neal, and there's going to be expectations changed for the entire season, his career on based on that. And now it's like, man, Evan Neal's if it's it's more than like more than likely that Evan Neal is just gonna be a bad player. Like yeah, that well, is the most likely outcome with Evan Neal's a draft pick is he doesn't be a he doesn't end up as a good player. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it develops, man, but um, you know, there were times where Evan Neal gets out of his stance, and I know one of the plays that Micah Parsons really beat him good is Evan Neal gets out of his stance, ready to rock and roll, 
and then Micah Parsons jets inside. And hey, Micah, hey, Micah Parsons is going to beat you. All right. Um, but there were some plays where Evan Neal doesn't get out of his stance, and then Torrance Armstrong gets a sack. And it's like, dude, okay, this is the same issues that we're dealing with uh, last year. There are some plays where Evan Neal looks like he does get out of his stance, uh, but when he tries to place his hands on pass rushers, his feet aren't following his hands, and then his feet are stuck in cement, and then he lets guys goes around the, go around the outside. So, you know, last year we just talked about the same thing over and over again with Evan Neal about how he can't get out of his stance and he doesn't get to his third step and he doesn't get to his landmarks. Well, this game it was just, well, if one thing was right, the other thing was wrong. If one thing was right, then the other thing was wrong. It just And that that's more that's more concerning if you have all the shit going wrong versus just one thing that you had to fix. Right? Like that's that's more concerning oh, yeah, when he, you have he looked unbalanced he looked unbalanced and slow. Where there was times where he was getting to his landmarks and it was just still didn't have the the fast nope. enough feet to get around the corner nope. and looked at, looked unbalanced. Doesn't know what to do with hand, no, doesn't know what to do with his hands. Char- Charlotte Charlotte Carroll from the Athletic writes a great article on how um, you know Evan Neal spent this offseason working on his hands and working on his hands and get, getting out of his stance was part of it, but most of the article was was about using his hands. Credit to Dallas, they they yeah. they put together a hell of a, one. They're just more talented, but they put together a hell of a game plan. They put Micah Parsons on the interior, and it just wreaked havoc for everything. It just totally threw them for a loop. Is you know, whether the stunts that they kept on missing on the right, specifically on the right side, they even missed one on the left where where you mentioned uh, uh, Osa with uh, Thomas and Bredesen were doubling Micah, and you know uh, he redirected inside, but. Micah Parsons was lining up on the interior, causing havoc, and ha- forcing them to miss blocks, miscommunicate, uh, miscommunicate, um, and you know, and then they would put uh, Demarcus Lawrence when they were trying to run play action, attack the quarterback, and you even saw like the Giants ha- ha- were able to run the ball a little bit, and they were just like their game plan was like, hey, we're going to penetrate and get upfield. So that's why it allowed some running lanes for the Giants. But what it also did is like, hey, when we're throwing a little bit of action at them and you're going to pull Ben Bredesen, Michael Parsons is lining up on the interior. He's the guy that the uh, that you're trapping and kicking out. Well, Parsons is so fast that Bredesen couldn't even get to it. And, he's, yeah. and Parsons is just hitting him in the backfield. You know, they tried to run an RPO where, you know, tried to throw a, a, a slot fade to Darius Slayton and Jones just gets smacked earlier in the game. They really... They put together a game plan of like we are going to go balls to the wall. We're going to stunt. We're going to penetrate and get upfield. And we, we're th- this team is not going to make us pay for doing that. And they didn't. Let's talk about Daniel Jones' just performance. Do we have ads? By the way, we didn't. Prep yeah, that well, before the uh, show. well, we have we have one ad, and so we'll we'll talk about that in between offense and okay, defense. Okay, but I want to I, I want to talk about one thing before we get to Daniel Jones. I want to talk about one thing because you're you're right. Dallas is a defense that's fast, athletic, that they they just play loose and they play hard. And they've, they've been doing that for years. And, you know, the only thing that they've done the last couple of years is add pieces. Um, they haven't lost a lot of pieces. They continue to add pass rushers. They continue to, you know, Mozzie Smith is a guy. I don't even know how, oh, how much Mozzie Smith played. Jonathan Hankins made, like, a play over JMS where, you know, JMS's strength is, I think, one you know, is a certainly a, a question. Uh, I don't think JMS is the guy to really highlight from this game. But, you know, all there's nobody to highlight in really in a positive manner when you lose 40 to nothing. Um, but one, you know, one of the things that this, like we talked all off season about how giants need, need to become more explosive. And like, it starts with blocking obviously. And like the Dallas Cowboys had that game plan of, well, 
if you really want to have a operate a perfect game plan and a perfect game, kind of like how the Giants did last year, where they didn't turn the ball over. They didn't make the mistakes on, you know, they didn't make some of the mistakes that they made on special teams today. Daniel Jones didn't throw interceptions, whether they're by tipped passes or whether Daniel Jones is scrambling and makes a dumb decision throwing, you know, throwing uh, towards Stephon Gilmore and Darren Waller's way. Um, they did operate their offense in a perfect manner where they were able to sustain drives. And the Cowboys were saying that we, we will allow you to beat us that way if you can beat us that way. And it worked for the first drive of the game. And then it just snowballed after that, and you blinked, and the Giants were down 16 nothing, and then you can't do the things you were doing the first drive of the game. So, Well, yeah, I mean, it's just like you meant, like they got their ass beat up front, and then you had all the dumb stuff. Like JS, John Michael Schmitz messing up the snap leads to a field goal block getting, yeah. uh, for a touchdown. That was the turning point of the game because I'm, I'm sitting in the stands begging them from snap one because you even saw it forming. I know everybody's, everybody got excited about that first drive, but you saw all of the bad shit forming the first drive of the game because every time Daniel Jones dropped back, he was scrambling. And I'm like, all right, shit. You know, oh, shit, here we go. You know, yeah, like, literally you know, every G- drop back, he scrambled on the first drive G- of the game. GTA 4. Oh, shit, here we go again. Um, you know, they were running the ball well, and like you said, you know, that may have been by like a little bit of design where Cowboys are just coming up field, coming up field. Bull lied, he got five, six, seven yards on the ground. Um, but you're not going to be able to stand in the pocket for more than two and a half seconds and and deliver a football. So um, you, know, you you saw it from that first drive of the game where even when Jones was dropping back, he was running, he was scrambling. So I'm begging this offense, that first drive, I'm begging them, do not get into a third and long because the drive will be over if you get into a third and long. Third and two, really good situation, right? Just, a, you know, two, two yards to, to get that first down. Andrew Thomas has a false start, um, third and seven. Um, so damn, you feel like the drive's over. And then of course, JMS has the bad snap and then there's the block field goal. And then it just it literally, like you've said before, it snowballed from there. Well, yeah. Um, and you know, JMS had other bad snaps. Graham Gano missed a different, another field goal. Graham Gano the, also maybe hurt. <laughs> yeah. The longest play of the game ended up being a fumble, you know, where 24 yards to Isaiah Hodgins, he fumbles. You could have had another big play to hide, but he dropped it, you know, and then the Saquon Bart, the inters- the pick six where like hey, it's third down. We're we're dying. We're 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 throwing this ball down at punt, and it Saquon gets hit, pops it up, and it turns into a pick six. So with that, let's talk about Daniel Jones' yeah. um, play overall. Obviously, the stats are horrible: fifteen to twenty-eight, one hundred four yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, thirteen carries for forty-three yards. Obviously, the Saquon interception is not on him, but the second one was just dumb and unneeded. Was just really, really stupid. Like, it was a bad ball. It was thrown into double coverage on the sideline. Like, it just didn't make any sense to make that. And then there were other bad decisions. You know, he almost had a, another interception uh, to Malik Hooker that ended up not, uh, you know, they ended up not bringing in. He just was he was just missing on some throws. And then they just the pressure was relentless, though. The pressure that Dallas was able to put together was just flat-out relentless, and they were not able to deal with it at 63% all. 63% of his dropbacks. I, I, see, I, I, I almost find that hard to believe because I was I, I started charting and finally I gave up, but it was like it was like seventy eight percent at one point. Like I feel like it was more than that. Yeah. But I guess you get a few little quick throws that they put in there, and that. But it was, yeah. I mean, any any play that wasn't a quick throw was essentially was pressure, you know. Um, you know and, and along and along with the point that I was saying earlier 
about how was it how was it that many of the dropbacks when he was he was just hit on 19 of 30 like he was hit on like 55 of them yeah 55 percent of them yeah um yeah but along with that point that i was saying earlier about you know how you you need to be more explosive this year because you know you're this they're going to make they're going to make more mistakes this year and we said this all up like they're going to daniel jones is going to throw for more interceptions this year and like why you do need to be more explosive why you need to be able to operate a drop back offense is because you need to if you're ever down in games you need to be able to rise above it and you know they they this is just a bad team it's, it's Dallas is just a bad team to Get behind in a game with man. Um, Doug Analytics tweeted out here, here. Here's some Jones stats for you: one completion at ten plus air yards, thirteen to fifteen completions were six air yards or less, five point eight attempted average up the target, two point two completed average up the target. That's the stat you like to see. Two of fifteen attempts in the tight windows. So oh, great, we weren't we weren't throwing in the tight windows all that much. Three point oh four seconds time to throw, but a lot of it was him scrambling and running outside the pocket. Yeah, obviously, like to quote Brian Dable, got to watch the film and see exactly what was happening downfield on some of these plays. But the pressure was relentless, and this was never going to be a good game. But Daniel Jones also compounded on that with, you know, some with the the second interception was like I said was stupid. Almost had another interception where he just flat out missed Isaiah Hodgins. You I know, do he think missed, missed Paris Campbell on a couple of throws, and it was just it was just a train wreck of an offensive game. I do think you are going to find, like, I I thought that there were some plays where the O-line might have held up and he scrambled simply because nobody was open. Or, or he, scr- yeah, he scrambled because I thought nobody was open. So I'm interested to see when you actually sit down and you do your film review, Bobby. I'm interested in what you think of, you know, some of the play design and what Dable and Kafka were trying to accomplish, you know, with, with their concepts downfield and, and shit like that because uh, I thought that there were some times where Jones is scrambling not because of pressure but because there's just simply nobody open down the field and that's not what we were expecting with this new crop of wide receivers that you can alternate in and out. Shep was in early in the game which was cool you know because we haven't really seen him take first team snaps at all this summer so Shep was in there at times you had Slayton in there you obviously had Hodgins in there um, you know, even, you know, Cager was going in and out with Waller that first drive. Daniel Bellinger was clearly, you know, a, a really in with the offense, especially when you're trying to protect Daniel Jones. So I'm interested to see who you find outside of just the O-line being bad. Um, you know, maybe I, I even saw uh, do a barrel roll uh, through, throw this out there, you know, during the game as well about, you know, m- maybe a simpler offense isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like a simpler offense for Daniel Jones, a little bit more of a vanilla offense for Daniel Jones. I don't know. I'm reaching. I'm trying to find space and voids to talk because I don't want to talk about this game. Yeah, it's just we'll have to see. Again, you can't really you couldn't see exactly what was happening down well, the field. You sound when, like Brian when Dable they're, when they're showing you broadcast. Um, they also, I mean, they they were down 16-0. They got a third and two, and they ran a QB sweep. That was a, yeah. That like that that was, that I, was I had that too. That was. That was asinine, especially when the one thing you had going for you is your conventional running offense. Why are you Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Andrew Thomas has a hamstring injury that's he's going to get an MRI, MRI on Monday. It goes without being said that this team, this offense can't operate without him. And then Matt Parrott got hurt too. I mean, Josh Azudu, Daniel Jones was taking snaps at the end of the game with Josh Azudu left tackle. 
Like Daniel Jones was taking those snaps. And it still was like better than freaking Paired and Glowinski. Um Yeah, I mean I, I don't we don't need to spend too much time on that. Wait to see, but Thomas like Thomas gutted through that because that happened that happened on the block field goal. Um so you know, first drive of the game was dealing with that crap. So hopefully because we need him. Um, and he was the only person who was able to block Micah Parsons um, in this game. And again, like, I wonder if that was a Giants-specific game plan for Dallas. To just put... My, I mean, Micah Parsons had to line up on the interior much more than he did on the edge. Um, and he didn't do a ton of damage from the edge. It was, like, almost all on the interior. Um, I'm also interested to see what the pass-blocking efficiency numbers were for everybody on this offensive line. Yeah. Yeah, really, um, really looking forward to that. Um, if Andrew Thomas is out for an extended period of time, uh, Giants season's on pause until he comes back, right? Yeah, you just can't like you you cannot operate. You can do like you can do like a Panthers game plan from 2021, but like you can't you can't use a real offense. Like you got to have a good defensive performance, and you have to be perfect on offense. Um. So hopefully that injury is not serious because we need him. Uh, anything else offensively? Waller three for thirty six. He said the hamstring is kind of the same same hammy that he's dealing with from last year. Yeah, so apparently it's doesn't... not a muscle thing; it's a nerve thing. Analyze yeah, that. Whatever that means. <laughs> um, do you have anything else before we move to the defense? Um, I when I saw that Andrew Thomas was the one that was down on the field. I didn't care that we just allowed a touchdown on a block field goal. I didn't care. I didn't care that a really promising drive stalled and we had a third and two and then it turned into a fourth and whatever. I didn't care. I was like, I, I thought like my initial reaction is my heart sunk and I thought Andrew Thomas broke his fucking leg, which was obviously an overreaction, but saw the giant season flash through my eyes when I saw that Andrew Thomas was down and he was holding his leg. Then that was scary. Scary, scarier than losing 40 to nothing. Okay. Let's read an ad <laughs> off that point. Uh, do you want to talk about Chris's coffee? Or do you want me to talk about Chris's coffee? Do you have the ad pulled up? I do. So I'll talk about Chris's coffee. Uh, Chris's Coffee, they're a family-run local New York-based coffee roaster and the leading importer of Italian-made espresso machines and service provider. This coffee is from bean to brew, meaning that they import their own beans in-house, roast it, pack it, and ship it right to you. Chris's Coffee also sells coffee grinders, blenders, brewers, fillers, teas, syrups, replacement parts, and everything you need to get your home espresso set up off the ground and beginning today, use code JOMBOY at checkout to receive a free one-pound bag of our brand-new Giant Java Coffee with any order over $50 plus free shipping discount. Can't be combined with any other offers if you're interested. If you're in the market for an espresso machine grinder or a just a great-tasting coffee, talk to the espresso coffee makers at www.chriscoffee.com. They've assembled a passionate, world-class sales team eager to help you guide you. On your special journey, Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. Chris's coffee. Seriously, take. I mean, I'm having it first thing in the morning. Getting up at seven in, in the morning. It's one forty-five a.m. right now. Gonna have a cup of Chris's coffee and get back to work and start grinding the film like they grind the coffee beans. So, as much as 
as much as it stinks this right now chris's coffee is the best so make sure to go check chris's coffee out they don't deserve that chris's coffee doesn't deserve this type of loss appreciate you guys you guys are the best uh the defense now the defense only gave up 265 yards like you look at their offensive like look at dak prescott's like dak prescott completed less passes than daniel jones and it wasn't because Daniel Jones had a bunch of more attempts. I think he had four more. I think Daniel Jones had four more attempts and two more completions. Um, but they gave up 24 points on five drives through the first three quarters of the game. They just were able to basically do whatever they wanted. You know, Pollard had Pollard had five yards per catch with two touchdowns. Their passing game wasn't like lethal or anything, but they were able to make plays on third downs um, and when they needed them to. Yeah. They had nine drives. Field goal, field goal, touchdown on five plays. I don't even count the fourth the fourth quarter ones really, because they, they were they were over the game at that point too. Punt, touchdown, punt, touchdown, punt, downs. Um, yeah, they were they were. Here are the Giants three. drives. You want to hear the Giants drives? This is really No, fun. I don't. Blocked field goal, punt, interception, punt, interception, missed field goal, end of half, punt, downs, fumble, downs, end game. My biggest takeaway from the defense, though, is where was the pass rush? Where, yeah. Zero sacks, three QB hits. They were playing a backup left guard. Why were they not dominating on the interior? Yep. And why did the corner not get beat? Why Why did no one win around the corner one time? Why did Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau not get around the corner one single time in this game? Why was the only time that I saw Kayvon Thibodeau do anything positive in the past game versus a backup tight end? Like the pass rush, Dexter Lawrence had a couple of QB hits and a couple of nice plays. Leonard Williams, I didn't, I saw barely anything out of him. Nope. I saw nothing out of Aziz Ojolar, and I didn't see anything out of Kayvon, in the, at least as a pass rusher. Like it, it, we saw this pass rush together last year. And we saw how good it can be when they have these guys on the field, although very limited action. I know Dallas' Dallas offensive line isn't horrible, but they're also not world beaters outside of Zach Martin. Like, I don't understand how this pass rush was just non-existent. And that's what makes it even more frustrating that Osa, Digizua, and Dorrance Armstrong combined for so many sacks and QB hits, and Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari and Leonard Williams put up nothing. Two hits by Dexter Lawrence, one hit by Jihad Ward, zero sacks. Where, yeah, where's, this is, where this are the, is where are the players games versus Dallas with zero sacks. Where are the players that you are relying on? Where's your where's your top ten, top five pick? Where's your second round pick who everybody you know thought was a complete steal? Where's your thirty million dollar player? Where are these guys? Where are they? Even Dexter Lawrence didn't have like a game that we would have liked out of him. You know, anytime Zach Martin handled him basically anytime they were matched up. Um, Leo Leo should have been dominating when he faced that left guard and just did not do that. Um, and it was just like all four across the board did not have their best games. Like Dex, Dex, if you go back and watch the film, you won't go back and say Dexter or Lawrence had a bad game, but the other three guys, I think you will. Um, and I was watching Kayvon. I'm like, Kayvon, make a play, man. And Aziz, like Aziz couldn't get around the corner. Like they were, they were just ready for these guys with a Tyrone Smith and Terrence Steele. Just like, all right, we're, we're going to protect the corners. You guys aren't going to do much outside of that. Like that, that's worrisome. Uh, because it's like that's that was the hope for this front four. It's like, hey, be be good against better offensive lines. Like we're not saying you got to go out there and dominate the Eagles' offensive line, but be be good against better offensive lines. And we just did not see that at all. Like so, that is 
Defensively, there's not a ton to take away from this game because the game was over before they even got on the field, really. Um, but it's like the pass. Where's the pass rush? That's the thing that that you come away from this game like, man, that's worrisome. The one positive thing I'll say about this in in this episode, man, I didn't think Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins played that bad. If anything, I thought that they were there to bring it. I thought Hawkins hit hard. I thought that I thought it was a BS pass interference call. Yeah, I th- I, I mean. It was. It didn't affect the play, but he did. He just wrapped his arm around him, like I mean, around his neck. I think it was. I think it was a BS call. And I, I even you, saw the. You replay. can't wrap your arm around a wide receiver's neck when the ball is coming to him. I didn't think he was. I, I all right. Um, I, I'm just. I'm just pissed. Whatever. Um, I thought they played well, and I thought they were physical. Um, you know, even like Gallup makes this catch out of bounds. Really like a little bit of a circus catch, but Deontay Banks just hits him hard and he shoves him out of bounds, can't even put a foot down. So I thought those two guys actually brought it today, which was cool. Like the 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 big concern that we had on the defense was the two rookies starting on the outside. Oh, and oh, great. Yeah, Deontay Banks. I think it was just cramps, so I think he's fine, but he did leave with an injury, but I, th- I do think he's fine. Banks got a penalty, but I actually kind of love the penalty because he just pressed the shit out of Brandon Cooks, but he pressed him for like seven yards, just out of bounds. But so they called a penalty. It's like you can't do that, and like you can't get away with that stuff in the NFL. Like where college, you can. But it was like, oh my god, like you press this dude up. They like brought you, it. You got up on his grill and, and and destroyed him. So that was nice. What you need at corner is you need kind of that kind of little bit of fu energy. And I even saw some plays after the after the snap where. Banks was talking up Cooks, and Cooks is enough of a veteran where it's like, what? why the hell is this like rookie corner yapping at me? Um, but I, I love it, man. If the, we, we need guys that are going to play with an edge, and you need guys at corner that will play with that edge. So um, let's go. Let's, let's keep it going, Anderson yeah. Hawkins. They got that big play to C.D. Lamb off of a rub route, which was like as blatant as an offensive pass interference as you can see. Like if the Giants got all those OPIs last year, I don't know how that – I mean, that one was – it was blatant. Um, on a door to CD Lamb, and then McKinney missed the tackle, making it worse. Outside of that, though, I thought McKinney probably, McKinney probably had the best game of the defenders. He had a couple pass breakups, and honestly, his best play was on that third and goal where they held him to a field goal, and they put CD Lamb in motion, and he like good instincts just, just bumps up. CD Lamb, and it allows uh, Adora Jackson to get over the top because if not, that would have been a walk-in touchdown for CD Lamb. And then he gets in and gets on a hit uh, of Dak Prescott on that play, and then they end up kicking the field goal. Um, so that was I thought McKinney probably had the best. I guess not just a defense; he had the best game of any New York Giant today. Um, I, I don't really have a ton more on the on the defense. No. No, they, they um, weren't on the field very very much. No. How why did your... Why did Brian Dable leave Daniel Jones in? When Andrew Thomas comes out of the game, Daniel Jones should come out of the game. And it's not even like getting like like you mentioned having Darren Waller's not out there, Saquon Barkley, but most importantly, Andrew Thomas is not out there, and it's pouring rain. These reps did not like they were not going to become a better team by going out there. It was it was like almost like Brian Dable just didn't want to get shut out. You know, and have that shutout on his resume and, and to start the season to like he wanted to get some points on the board. And I mean, Daniel, the, some of the hardest hits Daniel Jones took were at the end of the game. And Matt oh, Parrott got hurt. Yeah, Josh Zudin. And, and 
wasn't even from the left side. It was from freaking Matt Parrott or Evan Neal and Mark Lewinsky just getting smacked. And I think they took, they even took a couple off the board. Like they just, I, I that that pissed me off. Like start like end of the third quarter, start of the fourth. I get it, but I mean there was three minutes left in the game, and and Daniel Jones is getting destroyed from uh from the right side. Yeah. Should have taken him out. That's it. Um, um, this is the most miserable I've been, and we were talking about it before the show, Bobby. Like, you know, you, you could say 2021 was, uh, that that was just in, like, hey, the Giants season's not over. But there were games at the end of 2021 where that team at least showed an ounce more fight than this team did tonight. And that's what makes this suck more, this game suck more than any of any of those particular individual games. Well, and that's so that leads into this. They are a team that made the playoffs last year. They do have the coach of the year. We know that Daniel Jones is not as bad as his performance. They yeah. do have good talent on this team. Where do you go from here? You have the Arizona Cardinals. Like to me, I don't think you can just beat the Arizona Cardinals. You have to smack them. Yeah. Like you got to go in there and and whip their ass, um, and you kind of like this offensive line, man. You got to. There's got to be some real conversations and real things changed about their approach. I don't. You know, we're not in there and their meeting rooms and going through their practice drills, but there has to be a change of approach because there has been no improvement from this offensive line. It looks the offensive line looks very very bad. Um. So whether that's you know. Pulling a Joe Judge and, and bringing in a consultant in to come in and help with the offensive line, you know, hopefully there doesn't lead to a fistfight with the with Bobby Johnson in this. But you know that like we always forget with the Mark Colombo firing, it's like the plan wasn't to fire Colombo. The plan was just to have Gooch come in and help. Um, but there has to be some real looks because you have the Cardinals this week should win that game, but then you got a, a team that's probably more talented than the Cowboys week three on Thursday night versus football versus the 49ers. And you can't put up the same – like, and their pass rush is deadly too. Now, they're not going to throw as much at you with moving guys at the A-gap and stuff, but that pass rush is, is, is just as lethal. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so it's like you got to – I mean, that's where it's like, where do you go from this? Because you can't let you can't let this season spiral out of control. It is week one. It, it is, at the end of the day, week one. You know, they mentioned on the radio broadcast that you're not going to be facing the Dallas pass rush every week. Okay, but yeah, I mean, you're playing the AFC East this year. Bill Belichick, Buffalo Bills, Miami's pass rush is kind of underrated good, and you have the New York Jets. And then you have five more games against your division. Five. Oh, yeah, they're facing a lot of great pass rushes this year. Yeah, so you're not playing the Dallas Cowboys every week, but <sighs> seven sacks, 12 QB hits. 63% of pressures. 63% of Daniel Jones dropbacks is under pressure. Yeah, so it's there's got to be some real, whether it's, you know, and again, I haven't seen the film of what's happening downfield, whether it's like, hey, we got to change our approach offensively, but there needs to be there needs to be some real come-to-Jesus moments within that offensive uh, staff about how they approach 
we'll see what what works what doesn't but you can't you can't go out there and have your offensive line i don't care what you do change offensively you cannot have your offense get their ass kicked like that you cannot have it like that was the worst ass kicking of an offensive line i've seen in a long long time and we've seen lots of them we saw dallas kick the giants offensive lines ass twice last year and it was nowhere near what we saw today nowhere near um so yeah it's gonna be a real test for this coaching staff the first time where they're gonna face like like brian able he's gonna face heat right like we, oh, we yeah. know how it goes right like coach of the year wears off fast right it, it's just the, it's the way it happens in a in a city like new york um and it's like how how do you handle this because this is some adversity this is a lot this week one game is a lot more adversity than a losing stretch in the middle of last season this is this is a lot more adversity than what they said so how how do they react to this um, how do they react to not being a media darling and and having expectations and not living up to those? Uh, so a lot's a lot's got to happen, man. A lot's got to happen. There's got to be a lot of looks in the mirror. But they cannot give up on the season, and you cannot you cannot have performances like this because that's guys are going to lose jobs. Uh, but what's your like one micro most negative takeaway you have from this game? I think we're both going to come at the same thing. Man, just that we got micro. 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 You're going to, I'll just say it because we're both, Evan Neal's not good. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. There's like, obviously there can be improvement, but. And you know what sucks? You know what sucks? comes from year one to year two. You know what sucks? Because it's like. The double-edged sword. Part of the reason why we were saying Evan Neal looked better in camp is because he was going up against Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau. Well, guess what? That may not be a compliment. Which I... Week one overreaction. Giants just lost 40 to nothing. Leave me alone. That... That's what we were saying in camp. Evan Neal's getting out of his stance quicker and he's looking better because Aziz Ojolari, a guy who would have had a second-year breakout if he... Didn't have hamstring or lower body issues last year. And then Kayvon Thibodeau is a top five pick. Evan Neal looks better, which he did during training camp. Not, well, not there were some technical improvements like in his game that we saw tonight. Just as crazy as that sounds, but he did, just didn't look as athletic as the as the people he's facing. And he looked unbalanced, which is like those are like they could have all the improvement. And it wasn't like he had the most amazing technique, but you did see improvements. And it's just like that's that's physical. That's that's who you are as an athlete which is which is the most worrisome thing like even through when people like to compare him to andrew thomas andrew thomas's stuff was never like oh he can't handle the strength of the nfl the speed of the nfl um so we'll see with that going forward one positive is i was very happy for the new york giants revive the new york revival guys yeah that was very Uh, cool Darius Slayton was wearing their T-shirt. Now it said no DJ slander, and DJ is going to get some slander after this game, and, and rightfully so. Uh, but that was I was very happy for them when I when I because I, I didn't even see the picture. I just saw Doug and tweet like uh, Darius Slayton's wearing a no DJ slander shirt, and I knew that was their shirt. So I was I was very happy for them. So I wanted to give them a shout out. Yeah, they're they're great dudes. Uh, I, I consider like all three of them friends, and that's like one of the best parts of. Doing this, doing this Giants thing with the with the bunch of other people is that whether you know you, you you're you know you, you listen to us or whether you actually 
you know, have a show or do some other videos of yourself. Uh, you know, I, there's people that I like legit consider friends, um, and I'll hang out with you. And, um, you know, Spiro, Hefe and Eli, um, those are three guys. So I'm really, I'm really like, that is really cool. Like we've had, like, you know, we had like, you know, Nick Gates wearing some shirts, but that's like between like a jacket and stuff like that. This was just flat out. Darius Slayton is warming up for an NFL freaking game wearing that no DJ slander shirt. So that's very, very cool. Um, can I talk about, uh, well, one more positive note. Tailgate. One more positive note. Okay. This let's Two let's spin notes. let's spin zone this. Joe Burrow, fourteen of thirty-one, eighty-two yards, oh, three points for the Cincinnati Bengals. They only had three. Ba- I mean, basically they had the same offensive performance as us because we we had two field goals missed. In fact, we did bet. Actually, I think they missed a field goal too. Um. So that's another spin zone. All right, talk about the tailgate. Tailgate. Um. Great. Great time. Shout out to uh, FarBQ, FarBQ for an awesome, awesome tailgate that they catered. I believe 40 pounds of barbecue that our crew just demolished today. So it was pretty awesome. We have a little bit of a backyard themes game, uh, a lot of cornhole going on. Uh, the, the thing that drew the crowd was I kind of thought of a, a long snapping challenge. We, uh, Bill bought like this big, like Jenga. It's like a life's not life size, but it was, it's just like huge Jenga. And I like, all right, well, we have some footballs here. Let's just go, you know, a couple, couple steps ahead. And whoever can snap the ball and, and knock down this, this tower, you'll, you'll win. Um, nobody could really do it. Um, I, there were some people that got some, that got some hits on it, took out, took out some blocks. I finally get up there. I get a good chunk of it off. And then it just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. People keep missing. People keep missing. I'm like, all right, I need to end this because our producer, Jeff, poor producer, Jeff got hit in the face like twice with the football. Well, he's trying, well, he's trying to shoot the, shoot the whole thing. And there were people that were nearly getting hit and everybody's like, got to keep your head on a swivel. Cause we were shooting it back into the tailgate. So I'm like, all right, I got to get up here. Cause I was a long, long snapper in high school and, and, and growing up, I ended and I, and I knocked down the pile. So good for me. I'm, I'm the best long snapper in the world. And, uh, we had a great time, a great tailgate, just great vibes and, Optimism. Like I, I said it all summer as Bobby, we saw people at Giants at Giants training camp. Uh, I saw people at Giants preseason games and just the main theme amongst everybody was optimism and just excitement for this year and having expectations where last year there was no expectations. And that's why it was fun. Um, and that's why this is so crushing is that we all were so excited to get in there. Um, the MetLife Stadium was rocking to start. And then, man, it felt like just at the snap of a finger where you could really hear a pin drop. So um, tailgate was fun. So we're back to 2021 vibes. Uh, Thanks for everybody coming out and hanging out with the tailgate because the game was shit. Um, And that's what 2021 was. But again, a shout out to Far BQ. Um, They'll be back catering uh, the game after the Seahawks game. So whatever game that is, Candlewick Diner will be catering the October 2nd game versus the Seahawks Monday night. So we'll see you there. L16, don't miss out. Get your tickets. More spin zone. Super Bowl champs. Did they lose week one? They did. More spin zone. Didn't have a worse week than Kadarius Tony. somehow. Isn't that crazy how bad of a game Kadarius Tony had? That was bad. Darren Waller was the team's leading receiver today, so. Trey Hawkins as, looked all right. As we expected. 
Um, as we, I'm as first place in fantasy by a good wide margin. That's another spin, uh, positive spin. I would have won in fantasy if I wasn't facing the Cowboys defense, which had a 40-point night. Can I tell you something? Yeah. We're doing weekly payouts for top scores this year in my fantasy group. Did you have Cowboys I will be defense? getting that this week off of the 44-point Dallas defense. And I had Daniel Jones at quarterback. Mm, that's tough. Yeah. I almost thought about benching them. Tyreek Hill is why I really got it. I almost thought about benching the Dallas defense because, like, I don't, I, I don't, I just don't feel good doing this. But I was like, you know what? I'm not going to add another defense at this point. It's just, it is what it is. They're my defense for every game. All right, Justin, that's an episode. We will be back for a mailbag on Wednesday. Try and get some, you know, hey, ask ask some good questions because we're gonna we're gonna check the film and figure out exactly all what happened. Um, Season's not over. I'll be better by Wednesday. Yeah, we, we, it's, it's just one game. It's just one game, people. We will bounce back. So O-line report out Tuesday morning, a film review out Tuesday evening. Uh, so we'll have a lot of st- content coming at you. The season's just begun. Don't give up on this season, and we won't give up on you. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue.